Hi everyone, and welcome to the Game Luster Podcast. This is Sean hosting, and today I'm joined by Robert, the news editor. Hey, hey. And Rachel, assistant AV editor. Hey everyone. Today, we're going to discuss the recently released God of War and the factors that we think are governing its commercial and critical success. So as we all know, the latest God of War is a pretty massive departure from the series past. And we're going to talk about this departure, along with the possibilities of other franchises taking similar leaps in the future. But uh, as always, we're going to begin with a very quick rundown of of some of the games that we've been playing recently. So uh, let's start with Rachel. All right. Well, mine is a little unconventional this week. I'm taking a class um, at school about freemium and monetization in games. And so I've been doing a lot of studying up on app games with a lot, a lot of in-app purchases. So I've been playing Heroes Charge. I've been playing um, this other one called Idle Heroes and a third one because I needed to find something for the strictly female demographic is Love Nikki. Um, And so I've just been playing those and sort of studying how their monetization schedules look and sort of what tactics they use in those. So it's it's been interesting. It's not really the sort of games that I would usually play, but it's been interesting to sort of like pick them apart and learn from them. I'm sorry, was that Love Nikki or Mickey? Yeah, that's that's Nikki with an N and I hadn't heard of it before I had taken this class, but it's this game, I wanna say it's from China. And it's it's basically you just dress up a girl and every single item in the game is used to dress up your girl and that's how they make money. But they make a lot of it. So I've sort of been trying to delve into like why people spend so much money in 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 apps. I mean for that one, like I just Googled it and it looks like waifu bait basically. Basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and like my favorite thing is that I like I just googled Love Nikki. Second thing to come up is Love Nikki guides. Like this is a is this a complex game? <laughs> yeah. Like do you need do you need a walkthrough to no. figure it out? <laughs> no, it's not complex at all. It it gives you like <laughs> it's like make sure that you look cute and elegant and then you have to like select clothes that you think might be cute and elegant. But I guess some people can't figure it out, so they'll go and look at the guide and figure out exactly what clothes to wear or or like there there's some outfits that you have to pay real money for and they go up to a hundred dollars which is wild to me but you can go on sort of the guides and see like oh well if i want the best score i can spend 115 dollars and get the set that goes with this outfit Jesus. or with this challenge hundred yeah. never underestimate a waifu Oh my! Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, it's, that's it's a wild, wild game. And so I'm it's, actually it's... I'm actually writing a paper on that, and I'm also writing a paper on Heroes Charge. Um, sort of looking at the differences between them, player motivations for spending their hard-earned cash. Like I I wonder the demographics, like well specifically the age demographics of in-app purchases. I wonder what percentage of them are made by kids, basically. You know what I mean? Like, versus adults. You'd be adults. surprised how many are adults. Right. It's, it's more than you would think for both of those. 
Um, well, I know every kid. There's a percentage that is children, but they don't usually log anything under 13 for just legal reasons and privacy reasons. Um, oh, so kids who are buying them under 13 are, are claiming to be 13. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Because there's this, there's this whole legal structure. Um, I know, I know, with iTunes at least, or not iTunes, but the whatever they're calling the, the Google store Play? for Apple now. Oh, um, isn't it just App Store, <laughs> right? Like, I think, I think it just it might something be. boring. Yeah, yeah. I just looked at it. It's, the, it's just the App Store. <laughs> yeah, but they they have all these like legal things. It's like don't invade the privacy of a minor. Make sure that everyone's informed about what they might be able to be, to purchase. Um, and I think that came around sort of. We did a podcast a while ago talking about some of the regulations for children and games and in-app purchases, and that's sort of a result right. of that. I'm still in the habit. Whenever I have to put into my birthday for an age restricted content of some kind, I will. I it's like I don't understand that I'm now old enough to do that legitimately, and I don't have to do a fake birthday. I'll just like go to the 80s or 70s and put my year for that. I'll I'll just sort of scroll the wheel through until it reaches approximately pretty old. I, I always do older than I am, but yeah, yeah. But <laughs> it is like, like said, a, it's just habit. It's like a weirdly empowering day, though, right? Because like you know, pop culture is conditioned us to be like, oh, when you're 18, you can vote and smoke, and when you're 21, you can drink. But no one is like, when you're 18, you can go on to M-rated websites for video games. You know, no <laughs> one really yeah. explains that to you, and it's kind of like a weird thing. You just kind of figure out like oh i don't need to say i'm from the 20s anymore like right. i can put my <laughs> I real have birthday to claim now. to be 130 yeah. years old <laughs> i remember the first thing that i did when i turned 18 was i went out and bought a video game I, I don't even remember which one i was just so excited to not have to have my mom or my dad with me because the, the leisure suit larry was, you really went all in <laughs> leisure, leisure suit larry, larry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't remember wink <laughs> might have been conquerors bad for a day we don't know it's it's a mystery yeah <laughs> and i don't know whatever whatever like i don't mobile game that much i mean like the only one i kind of got into recently was like the new sims game and even then i never see a reason to like spend money for any of it you know because it just doesn't feel yeah. worth it that's and i almost hate to say this but like it's just not sims isn't always super compelling for me. Um, I like it. Like the novelty of it when I start playing it is like, oh man, it's the Sims and I make all these places and I make all these characters. And then after about a week, I'm like, oh, well, that, that's, right. Right. that's yeah. it. Yeah. No. Well, and cosmetics are totally like, I'd be way more apt to spend money on cosmetic in app purchases versus ones accelerators or whatever anything that even features accelerators and that type of that is hard for me to play at all just because it just seems like you know just like cheat codes everywhere yeah yeah i mean i remember i i fell super hard into this game called clicker heroes which i think is basically the same thing as idol heroes that you mentioned earlier rachel yeah it's about the same yeah and you know with clicker heroes it's all about like just click as much as possible until you can do like passive damage and like <laughs> apparently like there's a, there's a community around this guy where people are like oh what's your highest zone and you know it's like kind of comparing you know your your clicker hero you know egos and <laughs> i i just don't like when i remember when i started playing there was like a thing you could buy which was like just skip 72 hours of your life 
like to reap 72 hours worth of rewards of where you are right now and it's like dude that just why why is that an option in a game like this that's that's a statement yeah yeah. I mean, it's it's to the point now where I think the devs for Clicker Heroes, like they're making Clicker Heroes too, and they're like, we're just gonna ask you to pay thirty dollars upfront for this game, and we're not gonna have microtransactions, which is like cool. I think at least it's nice of them. I just don't yeah. know if thirty dollars is worth it. I mean, would you spend thirty dollars on Clicker Heroes like today? Today, would you spend thirty dollars on it? You know, I've given it way more time than I probably should have. So, like, yeah, I wouldn't feel bad if I gave them thirty dollars. But I think that's a really hard sell for someone who's never played an idle game. Like, you've never played Cookie Clicker, you know what I mean, or anything like that. And you're just like, hey, you should spend $30 on this game. What do you do? You just click. <laughs> like like in Call of Duty, you click to shoot. No, no, you just click things. That's it. it. It's definitely, like, I think kind of a hard sell for someone who wasn't into it at first. Man. Yeah, I think their, their main base is probably going to be the people who play Clicker Hero 1s. I can't. I can't. Yeah, sure. I so. Yeah, I can't see many newcomers coming in and being all hype about. It. Like, they're not going to be at E three this year. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so, uh, Robert, what about you? What have you been up to on the in the realm of games? Well, let's see. Um, I guess I should plug. I did. I've been playing uh, Lightfall. I wrote a review on that at, at GameLister.com. You can go check that out at GameLister.com. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a pretty cool little pu- like puzzle platformer. Uh, it's very like silhouetted in its art style, kind of like Limbo almost, but it has a lot of vibrant like purples and cool blues in the background, which I, I dig that aesthetic. And um, you just play this little boy and uh, he just he can create boxes like for him to stand on and jump off of. So you don't like how do I phrase this? You basically create your own platforms as you platform. So there's always like a different like there are many ways to solve any single puzzle or get across any single chasm or climb any tower. You know, there's it's kind of more of a like you have to think about things to find the fastest way to get through them because it's also a speed running game. But I don't know. I'm a fan of it. It it's sim- it's deceptively simple, like it's easy to get, but then it's really hard to like actually get good t- good times and speed through things. And it gets, I appreciate yeah. games like that, that it's like easy to pick up, but you'll spend a long, long time trying to just figure out like, what's the way I can get to the next best score? Okay, how can I do this a little better? Yeah, 100%. And it's out on PC and Steam right now, or, uh, and Switch. Okay. Um, and it, it oh, was really? like, it was featured in one of those Nindies, like um, N- Nintendo mm. Directs, where they were like, hey, here are all our indie titles coming to the Switch. So, I don't know. I hope that game does well. I think the team at Bishop Games did a pretty good job at creating a, a platformer with an actually unique concept and a unique drive to it. And, I don't know, I'm excited to see what they do next. Yeah. Did you beat and it, did you... like, all the way? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, you can go for it, actually. Oh, I was just going to ask Robert if he had beaten it all the way through or, like, how long has he yeah, spent yeah. inside of it so far? It took me, like, four hours to beat it, and then I played, like, a couple more just to, like, you know, see how fast I could do some levels. I will say, like, the last level and the last boss fight are total garbage. Like, I hate them so much. Oh, no. Because the, the game does a thing where, like, the last level is, like, you start at a central area and you have to go to three different places to hit a switch, basically. But okay. each of the, the paths to those places is basically the length of a full level, but there are no checkpoints. And you die in one hit. 
So it's just like really hard. It's like a weird difficulty spike that I wasn't expecting, and it took me a long time to get through it. <laughs> and the main boss I mean, it sounds unique, though. Yeah, and the final boss is about the same way, where it's just like no checkpoints, and it's like, dude, it it was four or five phases long, which just like come on, stick to the three phase thing. It's a it's a you know people do that for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you mention how much this one costs? Oh yeah, it's uh, fifteen dollars. So, I mean, if if you're into that, I think it's worth it. If not, maybe like wait for a sale. Yeah, it's kind of hard to evaluate worthiness for anyone other than you, you yourself. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah, it, does, it almost looks like there's I don't know maybe Mirror's Edge is a lazy comparison to make, but in the gifts I'm looking at. Yeah. kind of that type of thing yeah You're running something over and over it is kind of like it's asking you to get into that f- same flow that you can get into with mirror's edge just in a 2d space instead of a 3d space so yeah yeah um I've, did you oh go ahead did you happen to play any celeste i didn't i kind of want to but also like i i'm, I'm tired of playing hard games <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah i would i would wait on it a little bit in that case yeah. it's like thematically sets out to frustrate you right like it's supposed to be annoying like yeah it's definitely it's a, an amazing game if you're in the mood for that thing but otherwise yeah yeah i remember reading our review of it on gamelister.com um and it's <laughs> you know it kind of mentions a lot of like the themes of it and how the difficulty of it kind of reflects that um, right yeah but I've also been playing. Well, okay, so so we're talking about God of War later, but like I've been uh-huh. playing God of War. Should I talk about it? Should I set the stage? Uh, you no, know, I'd actually say hold on to that because okay. it's okay. actually you're you're a valuable commodity in this conversation oh, because neither you. Rachel and I have have gotten a chance to play much of it. So gotcha. Um, yeah, that would actually be good to hold on to for a second all right well then i will shout out i did play yakuza 6 a lot like in the three days before god of war came out um and dude that game is so worth it like it was my first yakuza experience do you guys know anything about the yakuza games i just a little bit my brother was really into it yeah i've kind of heard about it on giant bomb i think i've watched a little bit of yakuza zero being played It, it seems really fun it just yeah, I, I kind of want to jump in because zero, I've what from what I've heard is a good jumping in point, but is six as well actually? Uh, so zero is a good jumping in point because it's like a prequel to everything. Um, yeah, that's the zero. Uh, so if you're like super into the story, then zero is the best jumping in point for sure. But if you're in it more to like kind of experience the gameplay of a good Yakuza game, six is easily the best one because it's in the most like it's in the newest engine. So it does like the little things like when you enter a store, there isn't a loading screen. You just walk into the store and it like that's nice. It just does it. Um, Yeah. So Yakuza six is pretty good for like if you're like if you play it, it will spoil like Yakuza five right at the get go because it picks up pretty much like remember when this happened? Well, here's what happens next. Um, So if if you don't want to. Like, if you want to experience the story organically, maybe go back and start playing it from the beginning. But also, that's a lot of work, and I uh, I wouldn't put that yeah. on anyone. Um, <laughs> well, are these things self-contained? Like, I, I know I'm saying, look, it's a linear story, 
but is each one enjoyable on its own or does it oh. require that grander context yeah 100 percent. it's enjoyable on its own like when i played yakuza 6 they do this thing like in the main menu where they're like do you want to read the synopses of yakuza 1 through 5 and i was like yeah sure i don't see myself like going through and playing all of them and mm. i remember feeling like when i was just reading the synopsis of one I like it got to a point where I was like oh that seems like a natural conclusion to the story that's great and then there are like 16 more pages because <laughs> like every game is super <laughs> complicated with like so many you know vata twist um just like a lot of plot points kind of coming together so there's like a stupid amount of stuff that happens but I don't think like I don't feel lost like playing six you know like there are things that they do reference that happens before six but like I'm getting it it's it's not so complex that i feel right. like i don't know what's going on it's the type of thing where it's probably more enjoyable if you have because then you're like oh i recognize that callback because i'm a devout yakuza player right but not sure. detracting from it if you're playing yeah i get what you're saying yeah, yeah i'm actually really interested in that series i, I was um it, like the whole debacle with the release of that game is really interesting like the amount of time between its release the embargo lifting and the or no the time in between its embargo lifting and then its ultimate release with that month-long delay in there i see to me that's kind of what sold me on the game because to me that said sega no like they know that they have a pristine product like they know that for a fact oh yeah that that to, to me is them saying like we're so excited and we're so sure that the reviews are going to be good that we'll give you the co- like the copies of the game like two months early you can publish your review a month early before the release date you know because like that's a huge risk like what if nobody likes it then that means a month before your release like you're getting all these like two out of ten reviews your game shot but they had the confidence. yeah, yeah i definitely have... don't think they'd risk that yeah um, very high confidence in a product if you do that and like honestly for for the most part that's pretty reflected in how things how embargoes are usually set I mean, and the last of us naughty dog typically i think they they're out like a week before the game comes out yeah um god of war was like a week before the game came out and uh you know no man's sky i think was i think it was the day after or something you know yeah like, sometimes those embargoes are literally like you they wait until everyone has sunk their money into it right and they're like okay guys release the reviews usually it's it's like the day of like early in the morning the day that's like the most common thing i see um but no i guess to kind of like explain what yakuza a yakuza game is for someone who's never played it or never seen it um in terms of gameplay you're just gonna run around a small but kind of big district of tokyo and punch a lot of boys that's kind of most of the (laughs) the story you know it's like oh no you walk into a bar and everyone there is like a rival gang and they kill they try to kill you but you play you're playing kazuma kiryu who every the whole game's in japanese but with english subtitles and his voice actor is the most badass person on the planet like his voice could cripple you if you wanted it to that's how strong he sounds and the entire game is essential in Yakuza 6 at least because now he's like an old man he's like in his 50s and the whole game is basically a bunch of young kids being like you're old you can't do anything to me because I'm young and he's just like this isn't a fight you want and they're all like nah man we're gonna gut you with our knives and then like you you beat them all into shit 
<laughs> it's really great. Um, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, the the combat's pretty smooth. It's, it's like your classic, you know, like mash square for light attack and triangle for heavy attacks. Um, and when you build up this meter, you can do heat moves, which you know lets you do anything from like suplex a bike onto someone or um, pick up someone <laughs> over your head and angle them like toward a pole so you throw them crotch first into a pole um, it's pretty great it's it's very wacky and it the game itself toes this line perfectly between like oh no this is a serious story where like you know my family members are being affected and like my past is coming to haunt me and people are dying around me and I need to figure out who's killing but also I can go out and sing karaoke or I can like chat with hot girls on the internet for points yeah, like <laughs> the game is so weird and it has all these mini games that are like mahjong or like you know going to the gym to you know get swole it's, it's a lot of fun in that way so there are sim aspects in there a little bit yeah i wouldn't call it sim it's definitely it feels more mini game than anything and i mean they have like they have a bunch of arcades where you can play like full versions of like old school sega arcade games like puyo puyo and uh fantasy zone and what blew my mind is a fully functioning version of virtua fighter 5 is in there what right really wait what was virtua fighter what what (laughs) platform was that on Oh, was that Dreamcast? I want to say like I was going to. They have Dreamcast. They they just have Shenmue One and Two fully playable as well. <laughs> Dude, that almost wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if like Shenmue Three weren't a thing right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure, that is crazy. I I am a huge fan of games within a game. Yeah, it's it's that definitely such a cool thing. It's definitely very fun, and you know not only that, but the game also has. Um, like the main story is very engaging like it keeps you hooked it keeps you like invested in kiryu's like story it's to the point where like these mini games are cool and all but i'm like i don't care about them right now because i want to know what happens next um but also the side quests are just they're some of the best i've seen in games because you know like there are a lot of open world games where the side quests are kind of like fetch quests basically with no like an excuse for a story around them retrieve six bison skin yeah exactly <laughs> like over and over but with with yakuza like it's just like the the stories are weird and wacky and just japanese weird enough to kind of i don't know be entertaining like there's one side quest where a girl just runs up to you like a high school girl and she's like sir can you tell me what year it is and you're like uh it's 2016 <laughs> and she's like oh, it worked <laughs> like that's a side quest (laughs) and there's one where this other girl is about to like fall down some stairs and a guy like kind of tackles her to like brace her onto him so like they're you know like he kind of takes most of the damage when he's rolling down the stairs and then when they get to the bottom that's where Kiryu is standing and he's like are you two all right and they both get up and they're both like wait why are you in my body wait you're in my body and they have like a freaky friday (laughs) thing going on it's so good it's so weird it's bizarre. Yeah, in like a great but way. like in the best way. Yeah, I'm actually really tempted to check that out now. I've kind of been pushing it off. It probably, it, there's just so much right now that it probably is going to be a bit until I check those out. But I'm yeah. really wanting to. Everything I've heard is really glowing of them. And it sounds like the series is gaining a little bit of track. I mean, I really hadn't heard of it until recently. And, you know, there's six entries in the series. So, hopefully it's starting to do well in the west and has a long future ahead of it 
Yeah, I mean, like, Yakuza Kiwami 2 is coming out in August, which is basically a remake of Yakuza 2, but, like, in the new engine. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, and there was, like, a recent uh, interview. I forget who did it, but they interviewed, like, the director of the Yakuza games, and he teased, like, I mean, if the West wants it enough, we can, like, remake some Japanese-exclusive Yakuza games for the West, too. So, like, I think it's starting to kind of gain some traction. It's definitely been overshadowed by, like, God of War this past week or two. But, you right. know, it's 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 finding its audience in the West for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. I've been playing two games, uh, the first of which I won't spend too much time on just because it, it seems to me that, Robert, you recently were on a podcast that, discur- that discussed this in detail. Uh, I'm continuing to play uh, Dragon Ball Fighters. Oh, yes. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah, um, I'm tapering off a little bit just because so like when I first started playing, which I I think I talked about this in another podcast, it was just like I was losing every single game. And and I eventually I put in the time to where I actually was getting a little bit better. Like I think my console win rate, like it might be a little bit over 50 or so. Like I I got to the point where I was doing pretty okay online, but I'm, I'm sensing diminishing returns a little bit in the sense that I'm still playing kind of the same amount, but I'm definitely not getting that much better. Like I'm kind of capping out at a certain point and I feel (laughs) if in order to break the plateau that I'm currently um, barricaded from, it would require like uh, more effort than maybe I'm willing to to put in Mm. or that that I'm, that I really consider worth it. Uh, Just, I don't know. Like I will just play people and just get wrecked so hard. And it is so discouraging. Cause it's just like, <laughs> man, that combo was awesome. Um, it looks like something right out of the anime, Yeah. but that literally to do that in an actual game would require so much time in the lab. And, Cause like I could do the combos on my own versus the computer, but actually doing them in a game versus another person. It's just, it just, it's just, I don't know. It's just getting to the point where I'm like, I don't know. I, I've played enough. I've played, I don't know, probably 30, 40, 30 or 40 hours of it. And it's like, I don't know. Do I really need to do this? Do I really need to do this anymore? Or is it just going to become a sunk cost of devoting myself too much to something that I'm no longer having fun with because I've kind of maxed out where I can reasonably get to. And then all my games I'm playing are like, I'm just getting stomped really hard. And, and I'm kind of like mixing up. I'm doing more casual games with uh, characters I'm not using as often and just to kind of mix things up, but right. I've been having fun with it still. Yeah, that's good. Uh, how how often do you play fighting games? Like, Would you say you're a big fighting game player? No, actually, honestly, um, like in terms of a traditional fighting game, because like, I play a lot of Smash Brothers, which I consider a fighting game, but it's definitely, it's nothing like, you know, other 2d fighting games that kind of have a similar yeah that kind of have a similar uh, i i wouldn't know the um similar mechanics to some degree right like especially arc systems games there's definitely differences but there's some carry over there Uh, and i'm kind of jumped into dragon ball fighters fresh in that sense like not a whole lot of experience with fighting games like certain concepts like even the difference between a low and a high block mechanically and what that does and you know, using assists at the right time and, and all of that was kind of foreign to me right at the beginning. Yeah, it's a lot it's a lot of stats and a lot of timing issues that you gotta work out. And 
for me at least, I definitely am feeling what you're saying. Because I feel like I reached the point in a lot of fighting games where I'm like, all right, I'm doing good and I can like beat my friends, I can beat the computer, but then I log on to play online and it's just, oh, it's disheartening. Right. It's and disheartening. Then like... There's something about playing against another person like that has put so many hours in. Yeah, it, it hurts. <laughs> I get slapped. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I'll go to YouTube. Like, okay, let's look up some tips for like the intermediate Dragon Ball Fighters player. And there's some like I click on the video. Some guy's talking like a million words a minute. And he's like, okay, if you uh, in frame forty three, you can do this, and you cancel out of that. Like it's just like this insanely technical jargon. I'm just like, man. Yeah. I can't do this. And it's super fun to watch competitive play. Cause I, I, I went back, it, this happened some time ago. I went back and watched that uh, match between, is Fox his name? Uh, I don't, are you talking like Evo last year? Like the final? Uh, Dragon Ball Fighters, it wasn't Evo, it was a tournament. Man, what was that guy's name? It was, it was uh, a Japanese player versus an American player. And it was his Android 16 was just otherworldly, and it was super fun to watch, but also something that I would that I feel so. I mean, obviously, like we're all so far from professional players, but even being able to execute that in any way, right? Like, I don't know. Like, that's that's the interesting thing, right, about fighting games is that what people don't understand when they start playing them is that you're actually spending more of your time probably outside of the game than inside of the game because to be good like to be actually very very good and get super high ranked you need to research so much you're like you need to be able to recall any and all of that knowledge in a second like in every frame of a fighting game there's so much to consider like okay what character am i playing what character are they playing what could they do right now and what can i do to counter it and what can i do that they can counter who are their assists and who are my assists how can they help in this moment yeah. you know what i mean there's like so much going on at all times that it can be frustrating once you hit that plateau or that wall technically um yeah and then there's like a rock paper scissors dynamic that almost emerges too like you have to have a a understanding of all those concepts but then also you have to like respond to what your opponent is physically doing in that moment and know the appropriate counter strategy and sometimes it almost seems like a guessing not maybe not but kind of like it it definitely that or god like reflexes like I would say it's more mind games and guessing games, like at the higher levels. Yeah, sure, sure. sure. Yeah, like a yeah. high-paced game of chess. Like when you get when you start getting into like the really elite tournaments and yeah. start watching the guys who are plunging 40, 60 hours a week into a game like this. For sure, it's definitely a hobby grade game. <laughs> yeah. The other game I've been playing is Pyre by Ooh. Supergiant Games. Ooh, tell us about that. Yeah, how do you like it? Yeah, so Pyre is a game I've owned for maybe a month now. I bought it and I really wanted to play it. I wanted to get some things out of the way before. I just, I hate the feeling of having like 10 ongoing games because it just really lowers the the chance that I will actually finish them at some point. So I kind of like came to my conclusion with a few others and started Pyre and I've probably played about five hours of it and I'm finding it really enjoyable. So uh, I'm a big, a pretty big sports fan. So when I learned that Pyre was like its core gameplay mechanic is a sport type thing, I was really intrigued by it. the The gameplay itself maybe is a, a, a little shallow, uh, kind of. I, but I, I personally find it good enough 
because of the fact that like those competitions are more secondary, more of a secondary or tertiary element to the game. I think, you know, a a majority of it is spent or do you guys have any familiarity with Pyre? Yeah, I've seen Uh, not much. I, I, I know that it's like high fantasy sports RPG kind of but yeah yeah other than that like I, I i don't really know like the story or like the mechanics or anything really like i know sure that yeah people praise like the interactions you can have with the characters i heard that's like a really strong part of the game yeah so i, I guess i could uh, yeah, i'll explain it very briefly in case um you don't have any idea what what pyre is so the pyre is kind of a high fantasy type thing it's set in a realm where people have been banished so the beginning of the game is you, I think, coming to Awakening. And this, pl- I, I believe it's called the Outer Lands. And that's where exiles are banished and they kind of, uh, they're punished in the quote unquote real world and, and they end up in this land kind of away from everyone else. That's where your character wakes up and you're picked up by a, a party of, I believe, three others in a caravan. And these three, along with others you pick up along the way, are your companions. And yeah, the interactions you have with them are really what make the game special because each of these characters has their own story of why they ended up in these outer lands. And they have their own motivations as to why they want to get out. And there's just a lot of depth to them and it's a lot of hidden depth as in you don't necessarily know just how much there is to each character until you're playing it longer and you let's say you use them in a few competitions and they raise their level and a dialogue option opens up and or or let's say you play against because you play against the same eight or ten teams or something like that over and over And, and some of the members of the enemy team or the opposite team have uh, relationships with with members of your party and for example one of the characters you play a team and he has an outstanding debt to a member on that team and the other member is sort of operating like a loan shark like when am i going to get my money why can't you pay me back that type of thing so you actually can't select that party member for that game because he's too scared he's too spooked of that relationship so it kind of flows together in a really natural feeling way and it, in, in some ways, it's reminiscent. Did you guys ever play like the Oregon Trail PC game? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There's flashes of that. I don't know if there's if that's any intentionality from the developers, but because you'll travel from place to place with your caravan, and you'll choose between two routes, and it'll say something like Route A. Um, Joda Ryle thinks this is the way you should go because there's treasure here, probably. And Route B, Rookie wants you to go to Route B because he has an old companion there with deep pockets. So, you know, something like that. And the decision you make, like maybe you go some way, you'll hit a roadblock of some kind. Your character will get discouraged, or one of your party members will get discouraged for some reason. And then they'll lose a couple points of a stat or whatever for the next right or competition. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's 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 very neat. It's very fun. I, I like the actual gameplay aspect of it. Although from what I've read, it seems like that's one area of the game that maybe is a little bit more divisive than the other stuff, like the writing, the visual style, which is honestly in my in my opinion, it's incredible. It's a very beautiful game to look at. 
and the varied soundtrack. There's so many different songs in that game. And I feel like, I feel like I've hardly heard the same thing twice. There's a song for each enemy team. There's a song for each member of your party. There's a song seemingly for each region. So it's a very good experience kind of holistically, even if, you know, the actual competitions maybe aren't what you're there for. Right. I've, I've always had kind of like a bias against that game because... Oh, really? Uh, what's, what's the name of the dev? Super Giant? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so they made Bastion way back in the day, which is like an indie darling yeah. everyone loves. And I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. I played like four hours of it and I was like, this is just okay. Um, and mm-hmm. since then, I've always found the hype around them to just be kind of like, meh, 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 meh I don't care. Um, right. Cause you'd imagine that if they did something like, you know, they're good, they're developers and they're going to have similar styles. So that right. made people go crazy. How, yeah. Right. So that's why when I saw, I mean, I'm, I've still yet to play Transistor. I've owned it for like three years. I haven't clicked play or install yet. <laughs> um, but uh, I like whenever I saw gameplay footage of Pyre, I was just kind of like, also, I mean, it looks like it's going to cater to a certain demographic, and I don't think I'm in it. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, that's valid. They can't all fall in your wheelhouse or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that doesn't mean I'm going to tell people, like, no. Don't like <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, don't it's, do it. It's bad. <laughs> Bastion is evil, and, and trust me, I know this. Like, yeah, stay away from it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Um, I had one more thing to say about that game. Oh yeah, so um, some interesting takes on like religion in Pyre. Whereas, you know, because I don't believe this is really a spoil. I mean, the game is like a year old, and this is like a very minor thing to give away. But you find out that victory in these competitions is how you get out of this place. So but it's kind of more hearsay like no one is ever that certain that you can get out by winning there's some skepticism about it and in some ways like their slavish devotion to like the competition I've read some pieces that kind of liken it to like their their relationship with the sport their relationship like their faith in the sport is is sort of like a parallel attempting to be drawn with a a faith in religion sort of and it's kind of like it's been broken down in ways so much better than i could like explain right now but it's there are some interesting undertones i think the game is going for too that kind of make it transcend what it is on the surface but yeah that, i do like it when games do that or yeah, really any sure. medium really yeah it's it's good like depth of writing and i think that if you can incorporate that i mean I, I don't play a lot of sports games, but I think that if you can incorporate that sort of writing into a game that's largely about throwing a ball at a pole, you know, like, right, yeah, like I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I think that's a great job. Yeah, I mean, sure. I know, I know story means a lot to me because I like, I don't look, I haven't played a sports game since like NFL Blitz on the GameCube like 10 plus years ago i i don't really like sports that much like i went to ohio state which is football af and i'm still kind of like yeah cool tackles um (laughs) but when when last year's madden was like hey we're introducing like a telltale like story game i was like shit i want that (laughs) you know and and i know like most of madden is like the what's it called franchise mode or whatever where like you create your own team and all that but like Uh uh-huh Man, that story mode got me a little bit excited. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I had no idea they even came out with that. I mean, I just, I so don't pay attention to sports games. My, my family's really obsessed with sports, and so I usually hear everything I need to from them. So I just, like, don't really pay attention when a sports game comes out. But, like, that might be enough for me to check it out. Yeah, that's how I felt. But then also it's, like, $60. And I was like, eh. Oh. Uh, yeah. Maybe when it's on sale. Yeah, I mean, Madden games are on sale for, like, $5 two years after they come out because their online <laughs> is obsolete. Right. EA are evil piranhas. Like, yeah, Madden's the worst. I, I, I love NFL football, but I absolutely hate Madden. And there will never be good football games until they there's competition with that. But I don't know. Whatever. Like I think like for me, if I'm gonna play a sports game now, I want it to be wild. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I could get yeah. a group of twenty friends and play like football in my backyard. Sure it's not gonna be as dynamic as like watching the Super Bowl, but it's still like you know, it's kind of a similar experience. Like put landmines right. on the field or some shit. Let me get a power up where I can run twice as fast and like maybe shoot a blue shell at someone. I don't know, like arcadey, make I, it fun. I into that. Yeah, yeah. I play that game. I find it odd. There's never been a Mario American football. I mean, it would probably it wouldn't be a thing in Japan, but yeah. I mean, in America, you know, imagine it'd be big. Or or a Mario hockey game that would also be cool, right? Because I mean, oh, I would love that. Like they've made Mario soccer, right? Mario Strikers. Uh, I think yeah. did they do a baseball? Yeah, oh yeah. There's a, on the GameCube, I believe. Yeah, that's right. And right, Mario. No, Mario Superstar. Eh, who knows? Something. Yeah, and and I mean, there's going to be a new Mario tennis game next two three months from now, I think. Yeah, on the Switch, which I'm there's not excited Mario for. But... Curling, of course shit is there <laughs> except not really Ugh, i'd believe that though Only i, mean, I would have absolutely believed you on your word right here and now but did yeah, you guys Birdo's, the, Birdo's overpowered don't even bother with it yeah, did you guys see though that dude at the winter olympics in february who like legit looked like mario and he was a curler no i, do I didn't I saw. it's amazing <laughs> it's I so good remember him. um but no, yeah, I, I think I, I'd like more arcadey sports games than anything, which is why I think I might like Pyre more because Pyre is less about like, you know, it's it's not as football. You know what I mean? It's not like it's actually football. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a, a rugby-ish football. Yeah, I mean, if you ever see it, I mean, it's probably been on sale for like 5 or $10 on Steam sometimes. Right. So if you ever see it and you want to add it to your list of games you'll never play, you can <laughs> if you want. Yeah, that's, that's my M.O. Sure, you can hang out by transistor and you know, chill out. Yeah. So, I guess we can go ahead and transition to kind of the the main discussion topic for our podcast, which is the new God of War, uh, which came out on four twenty along Blazing. with the Nintendo Labo, <laughs> and has been doing incredibly well, both critically and commercially. So. Um, and this has kind of been this was kind of discussed at the beginning, but this God of War is a lot different than the original God of War trilogy, which was very much uh, I believe you could classify it as a hack and slash uh, character action type game, and has moved into kind of a more nuanced uh, a nuanced thing where there's a lot more cinematic. There's the single take camera and all, yeah. all that good stuff, but uh, I, I guess Robert. How much have you played it, and what's what's your take as of right now? So I'm probably 20 hours in. Um, I think I'm getting close to the end of the story, but it's also like a super open game, so I'm kind of like going back and doing all the side quests and stuff. So I probably won't beat it for a while more. Um, 
and so I've this is actually my first God of War. I've never played the older ones. I've so like the story to my understanding the story up to this point has been there was a a man who was mad at the gods and killed them all and then he moved to like you know Midgard to have a Mm. son and not kill gods anymore um essentially yeah and I I looked up a video of like like recapping the story of everything before then so I'm like I understand it a lot more now and it's definitely like a lot more layered than I thought it would be in terms of the story but let's see in terms of gameplay it at first it feels very like dark soulsy which i hate saying that but you know it uses the same control scheme r1 and r2 for like light heavy attacks um and it's very like especially if you play the hard modes like you need to dodge you need to learn how to not get hit um, you need to learn like when when your window is open, take the shot, but don't overextend, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Very like you know, give and take. Uh, the game eventually opens up, especially when you unlock more combos. It opens up more into like kind of almost full on hack and slashy, but not like it's never it never ends up being as hack and slashy as the original games. But yeah. it gets very close very 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 close and i will not um i'm not gonna spoil anything obviously um but yeah it's it's fun gameplay wise and the addition of boy his name is atreus but i will always call him boy um the addition (laughs) of him makes the game interesting on many levels uh for gameplay it gives you another angle another mechanic because he just uses a bow and arrow so you just press the square button which i call the boy button um, and he just shoots an arrow at whatever you're attacking or whatever you point at. Um, so it's very, he's, he's integrated very seamlessly. And like, as the game goes on, as the story progresses, he becomes more confident because he's traveling with his father who's teaching him how to fight and how to kill. And he becomes more com- confident and does more things in combat without you having to tell him to do so, which is like kind of a cool mechanic. That's really cool. Yeah. And then story wise, boy is like the best foil because he's like he's a smarty pants you know he lived with the mother the mother while kratos went off to always like go hunting and get a pack of smokes so (laughs) so boy is like super duper smart he he knows how to read like four or five different languages um he like knows a lot of lore about this place which kratos doesn't right because he's from greek mythology not nordic mythology um so whenever you're like traveling around you know Chris will be like what does that say boy and boy reads it and he's like oh so this is like a you know place where this god came through and Chris is like who's balder and like boy will explain who balder is and stuff like that um which in turn explains to you the player who balder is so he's a great storytelling tool and it's definitely elevated God of War, I think, from this place where, like, you play an angry man to do angry things to a place where you play a once angry man who has learned control and is now trying to teach his son both how to be, like, like a good person while also teaching him to also control rage in the same way that he has gone through, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also, like, a really cool flip on what god of war sort of traditionally has been where it's been like just this unhinged furious dude not that there's anything wrong with that like i've very much enjoyed god of war in the past right. but like it's definitely it's definitely like a thematic flip yeah and and i can appreciate that from just like a storytelling angle yeah because there are drastic flip 
Yeah, because there are points where, like, you know, Atreus gets angry, right? Like, in the beginning, for example, there's, like, I mean, this is, like, within the first hour, so it's not a big spoiler, but there's, like, a thing, like, a big thing that attacks you. It's, like, a sub-boss, right? Um, And, like, it's your first big challenge that isn't just, like, a random zombie draugr. And when you kill it, um, Atreus kind of runs in from off screen and like grabs his knife and keeps slashing at the corpses like you think i'm afraid of you no we killed you because we're super strong and you know he's like obviously freaking (laughs) out a little right and kratos Mm -hmm. has to like you know shake him he's like boy listen do not let it get to you like close your heart to it and all that it's like it's a good teaching moment and like you know it's it's just one of those nuanced layers where you understand like kratos is trying to teach his son but he also doesn't know how to teach his son because you know all he knows is rage yeah. It's like cool. He like wants him to be a better a better man, like be more in control of like how he approaches the world. Just also like kind of neat. Yeah, hundred percent. You're right. Yeah, it's. I mean, it just places Kratos in a role so unfamiliar to both him and also the player. It, it fits in well with the dramatically different gameplay. Which I was going to ask. So, from what I've seen of it, it seems relatively open and uh, so like is this a is this a linear game are you going to areas in in a predestined path or is there some variance into what way you can accomplish the main story and traverse the the game's land so you can definitely follow the main story like they always give you like you know a waypoint like go go here to story mode um but you meet a lot of characters along the way um especially like the people who upgrade your weapons and they tell you like hey you know i heard like there's a thing in this place where i can like make your weapons even better if you go here but you don't have to i guess it's up to you and so like that's another nook in the world and like five or six hours in the game basically turns into wind waker like the legend of zelda the wind waker (laughs) oh really you get a boat and you just go around to different beaches and different islands (laughs) so and, and, like, while you're on the boat, like, you guys talk, so it's kind of like, you know, the Red Lion boat from Wind Waker almost. Um, so, yeah, oh, once sure. yeah, so once you get the boat, like, yeah, sure, you can just, like, go straight to the main story if you wanted, but you can also, like, explore the Lake of Nine, and there are so many side quests, so many little nooks and crannies, a lot of loot to get and all that. I mean, that's pretty, that's, I, I appreciate that because I always wanted to spend some more time as kratos kind of like off duty you know what i mean yeah and it sounds like that's definitely give it giving us the opportunity to explore that side of him a little more in the original trilogies like that genre of game is so ill-suited for world building you know what i mean yeah outside of text dumps like you can like you can like there are ways you can convey the elements of a world in a genre like that but it's not like I, I feel like organic is such an overused word, but it's not like as opposed to a game where you're able to idly or more calmly wander around and take things in. You know, even just like change in camera perspective, I think does a lot to just kind of the auteur vision of the game, like how they're presenting you the how, how they're presenting you the game almost. And God of War is so ripe with like I mean they're pulling from such a rich mythology. And they're intertwining it so well with this, you know, it's partially real. It's it's partially based on real mythology. It's partially based on 
its own and, and it blends together in such a good way and it's awesome that they can showcase it like this you know yeah it's it's super cool in that way and my favorite thing about the side quests is like in some ways they're world building but most of the world buildings usually like when you're riding around in the boat from place to place like um you know boy will ask you like hey tell me tell me a story and and kratos is like super i don't know if you could tell but he's super bad at telling stories and um <laughs> like you know at first he's questioning like why do you want to hear stories and boy's like i don't know to pass the time and he's like okay have you heard the tale of the tortoise and the hare and the boy's like <laughs> no i haven't and he's like okay so there's there's a hare who's very confident over cocky in his speed and he believes that he could win any race the tortoise is calm and steady and he calculates everything and they wager like they wager against each other in a race the tortoise wins that's that's how he ends the story and and atreus is like you're not really good at this are you that is Um, funny yeah, and Aww. and then in other ways, the side quests it what like rather than building the world, it it builds on the relationship between Atreus and Kratos. It's a lot of yeah. like good storytelling and good like like you know a father teaching his son lessons, even if it is like in the roughest of ways. Like there was one quest I did where like you know Atreus like you're going through this mine to like find a treasure or something and Atreus is like oh man I wonder if it's like around this corner around that corner and you know Kratos is always like temper your expectations boy expectations only bring disappointment and you know as like the quest keeps going on Atreus is like yeah yeah I know temper my expectations and like you know it's it feels very much like a 10 year old learning from his dad you know yeah that's it's very cool um is our our, when you're uncovering so i guess when so you said wind waker is probably the most viable comparison and that there's these secondary experiences you can seek out um but but they're not there there are are there places that you don't necessarily have to visit to finish the game or would you eventually kind of go everywhere and just completing the main story Uh, you could like you could go to the main story and just do the main story but you would miss out on quite a bit of the game like there are a lot of side quests you just pick up randomly there are a couple side quests directly related to the blacksmiths who create your weapons uh and then there's a couple like treasure maps that you find so it's like you know they give you a riddle and you go to a location to find a treasure and then there are like eight or nine like secret boss battles that are like super duper hard like i tried to fight one and i just like after 10 tries i was like i'll come back later um so you know there's a lot of side stuff to do but it's not like you know to get the secret true ending you have to do all of that and then you know confront the final boss or whatever yeah well yeah it's it, i mean I, i'm very excited to finally get my hands on it when i do um i i my only experience with the series was a little bit of god of war one and i i beat god of war three sort of recently and I liked them a lot, but I think this will be a lot much more <clears throat> up my alley, probably. But uh, I, I guess kind of a, a question that we wanted to explore a little bit in this discussion was, so what, what other franchises or what franchise would you guys like to see reimagined to the same degree that, that God of War was recently? So, and we've seen other, God of War is just one example. I, you know, I think Resident Evil, a uh, pretty big change with Resident Evil 7. Uh, basically that same 
level of development and change. Is there anything that sticks out to you guys as like, you know, this franchise should continue to go on, but it requires a, a tweaking kind of similar to what we're seeing with, with this one. Um, Rachel, do you want to go? I feel like I've been talking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll go first. Um, this might be an answer that's a little tired and you know, no, I'm just going to go for it anyway. I would love to see destiny tweaked. Um, like maybe give a little more storytelling. Like I think just that it might be so cool to see destiny as like closer to like a mass effect or witcher style game where you're like delving into the stats of your gear and you're like really uncovering the world i feel like there's a lot of like not real opportunity to explore that too much in destiny and like i might be wrong about that because i stopped i stopped playing destiny too <laughs> um pretty early on but i I really like the world. I'd like to see something really cool come out of it. And I just think it would be really fun to get to explore that in like a different way. It seems that I've heard a lot about destiny in that uh, along the veins of like, there's so much cool stuff here. There's so much cool stuff in destiny, but it is like not well broadcasted necessarily all the time. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. At least from my experience playing destiny one and a small amount of destiny two i think that there's a lot of cool like items and a lot of really interesting lore to uncover as far as like the backstory of this world goes like it's clearly a very rich world that they've thought up and that they've been working on for a really long time and i just you know it almost seems like a waste to me to to hide it all away yeah i i kind of agree like i played this i never played destiny one um, I did play Destiny 2, like, the, like they had this beta where you can go up to, like, level 8 for free. Yeah. And I played that with a friend. And I, like, my experience with playing with that friend was he was stopping by to look at everything. And he was like, oh, wow, like, these landscapes are cool. And for me, I was like, I'm just going to the checkpoint. I'm going to the marker. I'm doing the thing. Shooting shooting the baddies. Like, it, it it's a weird game where like I would love to look around and like actually experience this world, but the story is doing nothing for me to like slow down and give a shit. You know, <laughs> it just it just feels like Diablo or it feels like yeah. um yeah, I mean basically Diablo. I can't think of any other looter right now because I'm doing a brain fart. But it feels just like you're funneling yourself into this like just go here, do this, hit that switch, shoot a bunch of people, get your loot. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it definitely follows like a loop that can get a little bit um, tedious from time to time if uh, if you play as much as you know. If, if you want to find all the loot, if you're interested in finding the story and uncovering all these things, like you do have to put a lot of time into it. But it comes at the cost of like trying to murk your way through a story that doesn't really serve that much of a purpose in terms of how big the world is 100 percent. it's a very quantifiable loop too it is so based on numbers it is so based on improving you know your gear or whatever and being more able to handle the next challenge which, which i think is is sort of what drew a lot of people to breath of the wild is even though like fundamentally it's not necessarily much different than a ubisoft like any ubisoft open world game where you're tricking off towers or whatever the the 
the lack of a checklist made it feel like a much more intrinsically motivated thing. And yeah, I kind of see what you're saying, like in, in regards to like, I can definitely see your argument also being applied to that. Yeah. And, and like you were saying about like it being all stat based and, you know, you got, you delve into like upgrading your weapons and upgrading your armor and upgrading your materials. Like, I think that would lend itself really well to a more RPG style of play where you yeah. sort of have that freedom to, to really like investigate your gear. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I've, I've been thinking a lot about what game I'd love to see a gritty reboot from. Like I'm thinking in the vein of like, re- like I know that the new God of war is not a reboot, but like, you know, it's, it's a yeah. reboot in terms of theme and feeling yeah. dude. You know how bad I want to see like a gritty Kirby reboot oh yes <laughs> like like gritty dark. like he has a beard now and like, <laughs> like i would love to see that <laughs> i don't really know I would buy that instantly he, he like yeah he's completely abandoned the swallowing gimmick he literally just carries guns yeah he just has a gun no he opens his mouth because he has guns stored inside him and he just pulls out whichever one he needs at that time <laughs> yeah no he just transforms into different weapons yeah that's yeah that, yeah, yeah. He's transcended stealing powers. He's become a power. Now, I, I the thing the thing with Kirby though. I mean, like I'm I'm half joking but half serious. Is that like when I looked at Star Allies and I played the demo of it, which by the way did not impress me even a little bit. But when when I played Star Allies, I was like, okay, but this doesn't feel any different from playing like you know Escape from Dreamland or Adventure to Dream. What the, oh, man, the one about Dreamland. I forget the name of the full name of it. Which um, one? You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah like that's true. Um but you know it, it still feels like the same formula like yeah sure it looks better better it looks very pretty and you get three ai companions that literally do all the work for you so you never have to like you just need to move and they kill everything which i've gone through the first level like that in the demo um but you know there there isn't enough to change where it feels like new and interesting like god of war changed a lot one it changed the camera perspective it changed the weapon you use which by the way felt great um it changes the dynamic of like kratos's relationships with other characters you know there was a lot that was different but kirby has kind of been stagnant where in like he still eats people that's that's it <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and i like when you said that, I was honestly shocked to hear the word Kirby come out of your mouth. I was expecting literally anything besides Kirby. But, you know, when you think like as much flack as Nintendo gets for maybe a lack of innovation sometimes in their franchises, nothing is less innovated on than Kirby. Like nothing like legitimately unironically requires a change to interest most people than Kirby. So like as crazy as it like sounded on the surface, like you're like... <laughs> there's something to that definitely yeah and, and you know it's it's just kind of a shame because like nintendo came out swinging last year right breath of the wild yeah. got a pretty good reboot i think in terms of like it's like zelda's feel and you know like the dynamic of playing a zelda game um and then like oh, yeah, Super, that's, yeah yeah and super mario odyssey like i guess they didn't change that much but cappy in and of itself changed way like so much of the game right right like, yeah completely different experience so like that's two sure. of their heavy franchises that have been like redefined and will probably never be the same again and then kirby star allies comes out and it's it's the exact same thing kirby's been for the past 10 15 years yeah yeah like i definitely see what you're saying and i think that Honestly, I think that you're 
your idea of taking him to a like really kind of dark and gritty place. <laughs> I'm I'm into it because he's like when you think of someone who's like a cute character, Kirby's Kirby's always on the top three. Oh yeah, no matter what. Yeah, Kirby's adorable, and I think <laughs> I'm actually creeped out to I would imagine just love to see that because like. Is Kirby too cute? Is he like a scenario where he's too cute? He's getting creepy now, like like a like a Chucky type thing, or like you know how the villager is kind of like made like cute on the at first glance, but is kind of kind made of to be evil, sort of or treacherous. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Like I could see a Kirby game where like he's eaten everything and there's nothing left to eat. And like now he's roaming this <laughs> void and like he's the, he's the maker of his own destruction kind of a thing like i don't know i'd i could see something there um and if not that i think there are a lot of other nintendo properties that are ripe for like good reboots in a way like metroid prime 4 i have a lot of high hopes for that um and also yeah. the new, like the upcoming pokemon game for switch like i want to see it change the fuck up like i know yeah. sun and moon was a big departure from like what pokemon has been but it still kind of boils down to the same mechanics same idea and i'd love to see the switch try something new something interesting yeah so pokemon that's the pokemon's like was what i what i yeah was the franchise i was going to bring up actually um which is yeah it's definitely this is probably a more tired argument than destiny by far um the idea you know that pokemon should be changed up but i think there's good reason to it you know pokemon has a very very rich universe and lore with like 700 800 pokemon but despite you know sun and moon kind of change it up but not necessarily like it's the the central experience is still very rote um yeah and you know i'm skeptical that it will ever change because i have trouble seeing game freaks you know, financial motivation yeah, to change it. Cause like what I can't imagine broke. their current. Yeah. What they're doing right now is that high budget and it sells insane numbers. So there is some skepticism in me that we could ever even see this, but like a gritty side story to Pokemon could be awesome. Like there already, there already is dark content in Pokemon it's kind of just hidden away. It's a little bit less on the surface. And yeah. I, I would never expect like a, a reboot of it to, to really replace it and to be the Gen 8 offering. But uh, a Pokemon Coliseum or Pokemon XD, like they, they've had side games before that kind of deviated from the, the formula. And I, I think toying with things as radically as like the battle system could do wonders for yeah, the series. I, that could definitely be fun. Like the thing with Pokemon, right, is that it's a very thin line because I think there's no way they're going to change the battle system, like not too right, radically, yeah. right? Because it's it's been around for decades now, and it it's yeah. like something that people rely on almost. You know, like there are people who get super into Pokemon and get into like EVs and IVs and other v's i'm not really sure and like breeding their pokemon and that way like they get moves that like the only way you can do that is if you breed them you know there's like a super in-depth like that's a game that needs a guide in that way um so i don't think i don't see major changes in the battle system but i'd love to see changes in the way it's presented to you because to this day it's still like an animation of your pokemon doing an attack and then cut to an animation of the enemy pokemon receiving some kind of like like an effect that signifies like damage 
right and i'd yeah. love to see more interaction where you actually see in the same shot like your machop actually karate chopping that machoke right or like that would be great or like pikachu actually tackling that caterpie right like that would be cool to see kind of building on like the looks of coliseum and like x is it xd or dx i don't remember um xd i think is it xd yeah um so I don't know. I'd love to see that more. And I feel like the switch is a, like a strong enough system to kind of have that. I mean, it eventually end up being a lot of canned animations. Right. But it, I think it could still look great. And I mean, you could look at like fighting games. Like it's not like they have a specific animation for every time Jin punches like devil Jin and Tekken. Right. It's like there's an animation of Jin punching and there's an animation of devil Jin receiving the punch. And they just play both at the same time. Right. To like make it look good. I think there's a way that they can do that in the Pokemon universe, at least hopefully for the Switch. Yeah. So I have a wild idea that can maybe combine both of your ideas together. So. Oh, snap. <laughs> okay, hear me out. Hear me out. Kirby has swallowed everything and he has allowed small pockets of civilization to live. He has spared them. He is a generous ruler. He's a generous god. <laughs> and all of the different uh, sort of towns that he's spared, kind of like Pokemon, like you go from town to town training your Pokemon. But King Kirby has the ability, I think it was in Kirby's adventure that I saw this, but he can like mix certain things together. He can like inhale two things and then spit out another thing. He'll like mix it. Okay. And that's what you do with your Pokemon. You sacrifice them to Kirby oh, and no. they come out something else. So this and is that's yeah. our dark, gritty Pokemon Kirby. It's a new world. Oh my God. I really hate that because now, <laughs> you know, it's, it's Shin Megami Tensei a little bit. Yeah. Confusing. <laughs> it's full metal alchemist brotherhood or full metal alchemist a little bit. <laughs> With some, I can only imagine the horrific chimeras that would emerge from like, you know, whatever, like a Gyarados and a Jinx together or whatever unholy combinations, you know, you could put together. You know, I yeah. think the, the way to bring that home is give Kirby teeth so he doesn't just <laughs> suck them up. There's like, <laughs> and then he spits it out. And that's just, that's just like, oh man, that I think would bring it home. Oh. Oh, no. oh man! Like the remains he spits out eventually coagulate into something kind of resembling a living being. Yeah, some some kind of Pokemon, some new Pokemon. Oh. Have you ever seen the picture of Kirby when he takes his shoes off and it's just human feet? Oh yeah, that's weird. It's, it's like Disney characters when they take their gloves off. Uh, if that's canon, I'm quitting video games on. forever. Yeah, Kirby's <laughs> actually a human. He's just a very small human. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, yeah, man yeah i don't know we'll see i i'd like to see yeah i mean there's no reason to really think it will happen but uh, digimon cyber sleuth if anyone's played it there it's a turn-based battle system but it presents information a lot more directly to the player where you are completing these mystery cases and each case is being perpetrated by an evil digimon and then your encounters with these Digimon are opportunities to learn about the lore of that Digimon. So, like, uh, more more kind of diving into the specifics of, like, Pokemon. Because, you know, 
there's kind of like this inner working system of like what the Pokemon do, like especially the legendaries, but even the smaller ones have kind of funny roles that you don't really realize. And it'd be fun to see that fleshed out more and, and something that doesn't really necessarily like necessitate changing the battle system could present things in that way. Like whether again, just changing the, the camera or like the linearity of it could do that removing badges entirely. And, you know, spinoffs could do that too. So I, yeah. We'll see. I'd really like to see that, but I will yeah. say I I don't want to see another Pokemon tournament. That game was garbage. Mm-hmm. I'm not I a fan either. Cool. So, do either of you two have anything else to to add to this conversation before we uh, kind of settle things down with a question of the week? I mean, honestly, picturing Kirby with teeth is enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I can't tell if I'd like, like, herbivore-looking teeth or carnivore-looking teeth more on him. <laughs> I think herbivore teeth would be a little more awful. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys watched uh, Digimon at all? Like, are you familiar with Digimon? No, not really. Okay, I Kirby. used to when I was a kid. That's about it. Kirby with teeth would look exactly like this one Digimon. Oh, with, with the carnivore teeth. I think herbivore would be worse, honestly. Like, the rounded, like, molar-type <laughs> yeah. things, like wisdom right. teeth. And- He's like grinding things down, oh, <laughs> gnashing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's terrible. All I have to add is like, go play God of War if you don't play God of War. There's nothing quite like yelling at a boy as a as a Greek God of War. <laughs> <laughs> that that checks out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this question, I kind of. I, 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 I thought this up, you know, very, very quickly before we started this, but I'm interested to hear your guys' perspectives on this. So, okay, imagine a world where t- today you can be given the, the money I'm going to assign to this, $100,000, okay? You can get $100,000 in cash form and credit in, in any form. You're guaranteed to have this $100,000. That's all you get for this though, okay? And the stipulation is that you have to attentively watch the movie Marley and Me four times a week for the rest of your life. Four times oh. a week. Do you take the money? Attentively watch it. That means no phone. You sit there and you watch Marley and Me four times a week. <laughs> but $100,000 tonight. For, for the rest of your life? Like you until, you, until you die. Marley and me? Until you and die. And I'm, I'm only getting the $100,000 once? Or yeah. is it like a yearly bonus? It's a lump sum right now. So you cannot... <laughs> You cannot negotiate with your. You have to negotiate with your future self. Like I, I mean, would, I would need enough money to make sure I can live off it the rest of my life. I don't think a hundred thousand is enough for that. Yeah. Okay. I think that maybe if I was getting paid a hundred thousand a year, I might think about doing it. <laughs> well, then it's an extremely yeah. easy career, right? Like, yeah. At that point. Well, because yeah. I mean, all you have to do is bear through with it for what. 10 hours a week yeah so uh, yeah. Yeah, that's why i figured like a hundred thousand because if you get to a million like you can realistically you can find a way to you can get a buy you know buy a three four hundred thousand dollar house never have to worry about a house payment again you can you can basically take care of a lot of your life a hundred thousand you know you might be able to pay your student loans you might get a nice car but it's it's not permanent it won't do you the rest of your life and and your right. your marley and me obligation will outlive your a hundred thousand Exactly. Oh, that's, by a lot. That's why I'm thinking like at least a recurring sum or a very large lump sum. Because the only upside I see to sitting there and subjecting yourself to 
sad movie four times a week is so let me tell you a little story there's a local theater here in columbus ohio that does a thing on groundhog's day every year where you can like buy this ticket i think it's like 50 dollars, and you have to stay in the theater for 24 hours and watch the movie groundhog's day over and over again (laughs) and if you if you do it you get like free movies for a year or like you get a lot of money for like (laughs) watching movies for next year one of my friends did it and between every screening he'd tweet like live updates and it was in like the 20th or 22nd hour he tweeted out (laughs) guys i just had an epiphany hot dog and cool cat are exact opposites of each other and <laughs> and I feel like subjecting yourself to the same movie four times a week is a slower but still similar version of reaching this higher understanding of humanity that I think he achieved in that twenty hour period. And like that's a good like that's a good payoff. But I don't I still don't know if it's worth a hundred thousand. Would it be epiphany or would it be madness? Both. <laughs> I, I mean, they're one and the same. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. So like. What what would this do to your opinion of dogs? Would the sight of a golden retriever trigger you, or whatever breed Marley is? Would you be able to watch movies for fun, or would you would the medium be killed for you? (laughs) Like how many social obligations would you be cut off from? (laughs) Sorry, I can't tonight. I have to go watch Marley and me for the fourth time this week. But it's our wedding. I know. But I've been doing a lot of other stuff this week, and I need to watch this. Um, I'm like legally fin- fantastically obligated. Um, I also want to know, like, like who who's the enforcer for this? Is it like, is it someone I'm afraid of, or is it just like, oh, he got to It's Owen Wilson. Oh, oh, wow. Oh no. Yeah, if he's... you don't, you just kind of hear him like in the random corners of your home, just like, wow, wow, <laughs> wow. Like, and, every time you go to sleep, yeah. he just stands there and comments. <laughs> like, really quickly. So, like, this reminds me of, like, an Ask Reddit I read the other, like, probably a couple of weeks ago. And it was like, would you sit by yourself in a dark, empty void, like, no sound, no sight, for 30 days? Oof. It was, like, for a billion dollars or something. So, like, this, you do this, and you're completely good for the rest of your life. But you have to, for thir- whatever, 30 times 24 is hours... In a dark abyss, you can't see nope. anything, you can't hear anything, you have no perception of how much time has passed for 30 days. You get a billion dollars, though, so if you accomplish this task, you actually are set for life. Nope. Nope. I, I don't think that I could. I think I would go really wacky in there, and then the billion dollars would be a moot point because I'm, I'm, I'm wacky, you know? Yeah, I mean, sure. Look, I, I, saw, I saw a video of Michael Vsauce um, where he sat in, like, a room that was like perfectly engineered to be exactly quiet like it had enough foam to like absorb any sound so there was like no sound except for like any sounds he made and he only spent like a short amount of time in that room like an hour or two and he was already going like a little bit more insane than he already is like he was like i could feel i could hear my heart beating before i could feel it man it was freaking weird so 30 days of that minus sight nah nah i'm good fam yeah well and and like and this is like stuff I read on the thread or whatever, but like, if you don't know how much time has passed there, you would very quickly reach the point where you think like 30 days has surely passed. Like this is done, right? Why isn't this over now? Like, have I been tricked? Yeah. Am I stuck here forever? Yeah, exactly. And it could only be a day or two, man. That is, 
Yeah. And then you had 27 more days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> really, 29 and 23 more hours. 29 days and 23 more hours, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. And circling back to the Marley and Me thing, I I don't think it <laughs> I don't think it ruined movies for me because I'm pretty sure I play games more than ten hours a week. But it's not like oh god another game oh Jesus I can't guys you know so I don't think it's the medium that would be ruined. Um, I but what's I the think, Marley like, and Me equivalent of a game? Because you're playing games like fun games like you're not uh, forcibly being maybe like ET. Oh ET no, game. that might be a little mean to Marley and Me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think a game with like a sad ending, um, like Brothers: <laughs> Tale of Two Sons, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. Don't even talk yeah. to me about that game. I love that game though. That game is so good. So good. Or no, just like um, watching like the near like ending, uh, ending E. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like a, a highlight, a low light reel of the most depressing moments from Near Automata. So like almost <laughs> all of it when they talk about humanity. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and I think I don't think I think Marley and me would ruin me for dogs, but not necessarily in like a oh god, get that golden retriever away from me, but more like oh good, it's a fucking dog. When's it gonna die, huh? <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like just everything like completely, ends, man. Don't you know that? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you're completely immune to ever being excited about dogs, and you just see them in like their worst possible light. Like oh yeah, you know those things die after a while. <laughs> like a huge dog cynic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> oh, that is funny okay cool so uh thank you for listening to the game luster podcast uh thank you robert and thank you rachel for joining us tonight hey it's, yeah, been, it's been good it's been real fun uh now really quick do would you guys like to share your uh, social media sh- social media handles uh for the world to hear sure sure uh if you want to talk to me and discuss more about an awful Kirby future. You can reach me at, <laughs> on Twitter at Bonfire Raven. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and all the social medias as Pinoptimist, P I N O P T I M I S T. And you can find me on my other podcast I do called the Tiny Disc Podcast. Sweet. And you can find me on Twitter at Quirky Argonian if you wish to. Uh, if you want to hit me up, we can. Share a Skype screen and watch some Marley and me if this conversation has, has <laughs> wet your whistle for that one. Um, Very nice. Just let me know. Hit me up. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you, guys, and see ya. See ya. Bye.